Good afternoon. This is Jeff from the Cyber Pro Podcast, back with another episode of the Cyber Pro Podcast. Today, our guest's name is Balaj, and he's going to be talking about a new approach to cybersecurity. So, on that, Balaj, thank you very much for joining our podcast today. In a few sentences, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? It's my pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, you know, where do I start? I was born in Hungary, and at the time it was still communism. And uh, I was very lucky because very, very young age, I actually got to, to work with the fastest computers in the world at the CERN. And uh, as, as time went on, I was uh, able to do my studies in France and then uh, get a scholarship to the United States. And that's how I ended up here and uh, was able to launch my career that ended up uh, accidentally bringing me into cybersecurity. Well, there are no accidents, as some might say. So, well, welcome to the, the world that we all live in. Uh, question number two, can you share with us, in your experience, what is the most fascinating thing about being a cyber professional during these, honestly, crazy times? Yeah, definitely crazy times, but... I would actually rewind a little bit uh, because, you know, as I mentioned, I, I, I got into that accidentally. What we really wanted to do when we founded New Push is just simply provide small and medium-sized businesses the same kind of infrastructure that large enterprises could afford. I mean, obviously today this is called a cloud, obviously or not obviously, but for many people they know. And uh, really what, what we noticed that small businesses that became famous. Uh, and I recall we had the number one jazz website in the, in the beginnings in the world. They actually somehow attract a lot of enemies. And very quickly what happened is if we didn't get good at cybersecurity, our customers were just simply attacked. Uh, it would take back then, and, and I'm talking close to 20 years ago, 40 minutes for a popular website that wasn't patched to be hacked. And <laughs> that's not a lot of time. So when today you hear about these breaches where it took you know, several months for the breach to, to be discovered, I have my doubts about it. I think that it's the discovery maybe several months, but I think that the attackers that really have these sites uh, on these targets, they probably are in there much faster. They're just laying low. So, so to me, the game hasn't really changed. It just accelerated. And the techniques that are being used ha haven't really changed. They just become higher profile and executed in a more uh, uh, interesting way. I usually use a chess analogy with people that you can learn how to play chess in 10 minutes, but then becoming a chess master, it takes years. And, and that's kind of the same thing in cybersecurity. I think the attacks are using the same tactics, but they're executed in more and more masterful way. Hmm. That is a very interesting way of putting it uh you you make an analogy to chess and while the rules remain the same there are an almost infinite number of computations and variables to win the game and i think that might be a pretty good analogy to cybersecurity in general um yeah so on that, let's go into question number three. That, that, fit, that fits in perfectly. Um, what about cybersecurity is of concern to you? And 
as we delve into the topic on a more granular level, what do you feel is going to become the top concern of cybersecurity professionals in the months and years to come? This is an excellent question. I think that as humans, we tend to be blinded by what's obvious and not see some of the things, some of the trends coming. And I might sound a little bit paranoid, uh, but I'm not alone in that, I think. And especially in the cybersecurity realm, I think a lot of us may, may be worried about things that most people are not worried about. But you know, we heard about the nation states and all that. And, and I think this is now a known uh, quote unquote quantity, what nation states can do. And, and you know, obviously there is now luckily a debate about you know, will the government step in or are we going to let businesses defend themselves, you know, against uh, professional armies, you know, that are attacking? Because, you know, in real life, everybody would know immediately that, hey, if there is this army with machine guns, you're not going to ask your business to defend themselves, okay? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you automatically expect the U.S. army to defend, you know, against the Russian army. But in cyber, it's not the case. However, this, I think, starts to be, uh, become a known, a known uh, understanding. And where I see we're still in quite uncharted territory, and it's the scariest, is really AI. Uh, AI, I think there is, there is no rules about it. And AI is getting more and more powerful. We're using AI in defense, but AI can be also used in offense. And just like uh, if you remember Petya and uh, not Petya, those viruses that totally got out of hand. The, the people who released them didn't even intend to cause all the damage that they caused because they were indiscriminate. The same way, AI in the wrong hands, not competent enough, they let loose, can cause quite some damage. And that's really what uh, currently I'm the most worried about, not in as in immediate, but as in we need to worry about immediately because we need to prepare for that now. Otherwise, it can be too late. Yeah, that brings up a very compelling conversation revolving around humanity versus AI or machine learning or, or machine thought, whatever you want to call it. When you talk about humans, we are governed, most of us, by a set of rules. And a nation state will, will do X, but not go beyond that line because they know that the repercussions are in totality. But when you talk about AI, they don't have that set of, I don't know if morality is the right word, or conscience. They will do whatever they are told to do by any means possible, and they will cross that line a lot faster without thought than a human may have, if that makes sense. Uh, it makes sense, but I would argue that even morality may may be at play for them because they may just simply find the human race immoral. I mean, look at what we're doing to our planet, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's another, you know, what is morality? <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the, uh, to the meat of the conversation, which is question number four, what advice or, or insights about the new approach to cybersecurity would you care to share with our community? 
Well, this is this is a tough one because it's it's uh, it's kind of controversial when you ask uh, Gardner and Forrester, uh, they they are not ready to to open this new chapter in cybersecurity yet, and uh, frankly, only talking to IDC, they they were starting to to look at this kind of a new dimension in cybersecurity. Uh, but I would draw this analogy, like think about 9/11. I mean, I'm pretty sure you know exactly where you were in 9/11. Do, do you remember? Uh, of course, yes. Where were you? <laughs> uh, oddly enough, I was in China when that happened. And uh, I, I read about it in a newspaper. And when I first read about it, I, I thought it was a movie or a joke or something other than reality. It was very Unbelievable, interesting. Unbelievable, huh? Yeah. And, and maybe you remember the next day or third day, uh, but very quickly after 9-11, uh, the U.S. intelligence agencies uh, and local law enforcement was able to pull extensive files about the hijackers. And, and you think, if they have all these files about the hijackers, how come they couldn't stop this? Mm. And it's kind of like when you go into cybersecurity and you have a breach and the forensic experts comes in and the forensic experts traces back exactly, okay, this is where they breached. And this is how they did the lateral movement. And then they did this, this, and that. And, and you're thinking the same way, like how, how come we can trace it back, but not do anything about the breaking? And, and then the, the debate became instantly, just going back to 9-11, it, it, it became, well, why is this rule that the FBI cannot access the CIA database and local law enforcement, et cetera? So let's open the databases. But then when you think about it, a cop making a traffic stop, do you really expect him to be specialized in looking at the CIA database for understanding that this person that they just stopped uh, might be on a terrorist watch list or might be you know, up to something? And remember, terrorist watch list actually didn't really exist at the time, not in the way they exist today. So when you think about it, you realize this is not realistic. It's kind of like expecting our cybersecurity tools to talk to each other and then you know, have your scanner be able to talk to your patching tool and, and, and in, a, in a way to able to connect the dots. I mean, it's not realistic. So what the government did, and quite successfully, they created the Department of Homeland Security, which we refer to as DHS. And the underpinning of the DHS basically is that they have analysts that understand the different databases and they know how to connect the dots. But we don't really have a tool like that in cybersecurity today so what some experts, uh, some of them that you're talking to, uh, do is they build it on their own. They basically build these uh, special models, whether they're using, uh, you know, Google's uh, AI engine or they're using, you know, Tableau or other tools like that. They basically, some of them just build it with Excel spreadsheets and just complicated formulas, but they are building something to be able to correlate. But at the end of the day, there is no off-the-shelf tool and I'm just venturing a guess here. I don't know the reason, but I figured that part of it is that a tool like that allows you to replace very easily one tool for another. So none of the big uh, players in cybersecurity have an interest of creating uh, a, a special tool like that because then they would build the tool that allows to replace their own tools by uh, competitors. So it would be a tool that they build that allows cannibalism which they cannot, you know, it's against their financial interest. So, so only some smaller players uh, have started building tools like that. Uh, and we believe that that's the future because basically it worked phenomenally well for the DHS. 
they actually thwarted all terrorist attacks since that happened. And when you think about it today, we have a lot of uh, companies spending millions of dollars in best of breed tools, and they're still getting breached. Mm. And my belief is that they're getting breached simply because they don't have an overlay or actually we prefer to say an underpinning that connects that is able to connect the dots by leveraging these best of breed tools. So I don't want to sound like, you know, we're making a better security tool. We're actually leveraging these excellent security tools, just like the CIA, the FBI, those are excellent organizations, but the, without the DHS, they're not as effective. And that's basically my belief that there is uh, a more and more companies like that, uh, coming up that uh, spend extra care and extra time to connect uh, all these different tools. But you know, there are 17 categories and hundreds of tools. So that's not an easy task. And, and there is no common nomenclature. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's just very difficult and, and it's difficult to choose which tools you're gonna connect to and which tools you're gonna really understand deeply. But that's essentially what I, uh, that, that's this new vision that I have for cybersecurity. Yeah, I think that takes a, a, a much deeper dive to, to unpack that, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, if someone is interested in learning a little bit more about you, Balaj, or, and or your company and what you do and the, the solutions that you bring, what is the best way to, for them to get a hold of you? Well, I think that just simply go to uh, info at newpush.com and uh, then that way I'm not the bottleneck. I miss, I tend to miss emails, you know, if there's too many in my inbox, but somebody will get back to you if you email there. And then, and then you can flag it that this is for Bolage, and then somebody will, will uh, run it off the, the post to me. Excellent. Excellent. And on that, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. We, we, we went a little bit long, but we had some very interesting conversations. I wanted to thank you again for your time today. Um, and for pleasure. those of you, and for those of you who know, the CyberPro podcast posts two to three episodes every week uh, on different topics with different veterans like Balaj, so that we can all understand the incredibly large universe that we live in that is constantly evolving called cybersecurity. So thank you for your time and uh, be well. Cheers. <laughs>